1: What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try.
2: Welcome to the CSM Podcast with David Nickturn. Creativity, spirituality, and making a buck. blending spiritual and temporal realities, joining heaven and earth. We will be talking with a variety of manifestors, individuals who have, in one way or another, clarified their vision, created an offering, and brought that offering to the marketplace. Let's see what we can learn from them as we each move forward towards solving our own life puzzle. Facing the challenge of living in the spirit, in the body, in the world in this time if you're interested in supporting the csm podcast please visit here forward slash david so danny um I, there's a whole nother little section i want to get into with you about talking about you know spiritual practice ramdas whatever you want to fold into that envelope but i thought it might be good to just open up the gate here for a minute and let let uh, let people chime in with a uh question for for us if they have one uh, at this point and then we'll we'll do one more round with the um the, uh, the topic of you know sort of the s in the title spirituality so if anybody has a question just quickly lob a chat to maho and and she'll identify you and then you can turn your mic on and ask the question yourself
0: i have a question
2: okay yeah seth
0: um danny wow so great to hear you talk um I just kind of wonder how you landed some of these big clients. Like, you know, it feels like all of us who have an offering or um, do something in the business world um, think about how to take it to the next level. And, you know, landing those huge clients and or, you know, working with the really well-known people that kind of um, establish you at a different um, playing field is really interesting to me. And I'm just wondering, I know some of it's probably luck and personal connection, but um, could you talk about that for a little bit?
3: Well, the main thing I would say is, you know, David was kind enough to read a bio, a mini bio of me at the beginning. And I was kind of impressed with it too, hearing it. Uh, but but it's 50 years. So a lot of that time, there's, there's a whole other much longer narrative that could be written about all the unsuccessful uh, people I work with and all of the ideas I had that didn't pan out. So the number one thing that I tell people, cause you know, when you're in this line of work and you've been around for a while, you have students come, you have interns, you talk to people and is first of all, don't be discouraged by rejection because you know, the number of rejections I, and, 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 and the number of um, mistakes when I'm really in a dark place, I'll just go into this greatest hits of the stupidest things I ever said, the worst decisions I ever made, why I lost my temper then, and you know, uh, thank God, you know meditation and all that helps uh, mitigate that sort of uh, demon, but you know, I think perseverance is a huge part of it because sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't, but you got to keep going and and it's again it's dealing with the six inches in front of you and dealing with what you can do today and what you can do this hour and what you can do this minute and so that's the number one thing is is not is 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 not giving up there's not even that's number one, two, and three then the next thing is to try to develop some kind of a radar so that you can differentiate something that's great from something that's very good. And so that when you, if, if something touches that great button inside your mind, that then you really make everything secondary. I remember when i was first working when i first met uh, stevie Nicks, because working with her was certainly a huge turning point in my career because um, because i ended up co-owning the label that put out a record so i could actually make a few bucks as david would say from it uh, i had a pr company in new york and uh, she was not a PR client. She had a perfectly good PR person. She was in Fleetwood Mac. She was dating a friend of mine. And I got to be friends with her though. And I just started going out to California and hanging out with her. And, and two people who worked for me in New York, and I had an office of like six people. Two of the six people quit because they thought I was insane and, and had given up what they thought our real work was. And I just knew from, from the time that she told me that she had songs that Fleetwood Mac wouldn't record and she had written and sung the biggest hits. That was the easiest decision I ever made was, was, to, was to bet on her. It was like, it was just about hanging on so I could be there at the finish line when she made, made, made the record. So the first thing is perseverance. The second thing is honoring your intuition. And if something really, really touches you deeply, rearrange the rest of your life to, to follow that. I would say those would be two things. And then clearly luck. You you, you you know you got to get lucky you, you can't make these things happen you just have to take advantage of them when they do happen
2: seth do you have a follow-up or
0: um no that was that was uh, interesting yeah. um was there any kind of conscious decision like well i've got to take this to the next level like you know thinking of opportunities that could lead to that like
3: I was always trying to take myself to the next level. That's what I was thinking about, honestly. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I would see a way that I thought could get me there. And sometimes it didn't. And thank God, sometimes it did. But, but I was honestly, then once I had a task, okay, if I'm working for an artist, okay, what, what do they need? What can I do to give them what they want that I can actually deliver? And then each situation you you see a different situation, uh, uh, of what they need. And it, again, different artists have different ideas of what somebody like me does. And I played different roles with different of them. But, um, but honestly, I was more worrying about how to take my own career to the next level. And they were a means to an end. You know, I wanted to do it with some dignity and, uh, righteousness and passion, but, but uh, there was no, uh, you know, I was in the Danny Goldberg business. I remember, you know, when I left Artemis records, I lost control of it. It later went bankrupt and, you know, people said, Oh gee, can you take the name Artemis with you? I said, Nope, but I can take the name Danny Goldberg. <laughs> 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 so I always kind of knew that was my brand and to not overinvest in Zeppelin or any other brand that I always tried to look after that brand also while, while doing a good job for them. Cool.
2: Thanks. Yeah, terrific. Cool. Maho, are there others? Is somebody else?
4: Two questions. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, this person cannot talk because of the time difference. So I okay. will... Okay. Sorry. So From Jen, Jenny. Um, can you talk about uh, your current public relations?
3: Well, my current business is personal management and I, I have a small company. It's called Gold Village and we have uh, seven clients. And um, so I don't directly do the public relations for those artists. When you're a manager, you're sort of like the chairman of the board where you're dealing with the, the artist's lawyer, their accountant, their tour, uh, the person who goes on the road with them. Sometimes they're band members if they're in a band and their public relations person, their label executive, their music publisher, and so on. So I, because I have a background in publicity, I take a keen interest in that aspect of their careers. That's kind of an added value I can bring as a manager in terms of trying to figure out, you know, just what the language should be. The best lesson I ever learned about public relations was from Lee Salters, who I mentioned earlier, who had been a big old school showbiz PR guy who had like Ringling Brothers Circus and Broadway shows, knew nothing about rock and roll and could care less. But he told me when I went to work for him, nobody will read the second paragraph of a press release if the first paragraph is not interesting. And no one will read the second sentence in the first paragraph if the first sentence is not interesting. (laughs) And um, that's the best advice I ever got about public relations.
2: That's a jewel, Danny. That's a little golden drop there. Was there another one, Uh Maho? Yeah.
4: Um. Carla
5: Silva, Uh, can you speak up? Um, Hi, Danny.
0: Hi.
5: This is, is, I got here pretty late, but um, my question is, I found it very interesting um, how you thought about speaking on two levels. And I'm really curious about your focus, how you focus on the six inches in front of you. How do you stay motivated to focus on the six inches in front of you and did you have to leverage support along the way?
3: Well, the motivation for me has mostly been fear. I'm just terrified of, uh, uh, I I used to be terrified of going broke and terrified of looking stupid, terrified of failure. I'm not saying that's the most elevated spiritual value, but I'm just honestly telling you that's been a big motivator for me is is that I just hate how I feel when things don't go well, and I certainly don't wanna let other people down. I'm a list maker. You know, I, uh, I, I make lists every day of things I have to do, uh, because, uh, it just clarifies for me how to prioritize. Cause one of the things, if you're lucky enough to get busy, you can't always do everything you're supposed to do. So you want to make sure to do the most important things first. Uh, th- th- that's the, to me, the six inches part of it. Um, in terms of leveraging support, I don't know what the word leverage exactly. I don't know what exactly that means in this context. What do you mean by that?
5: <laughs> um, support, um, maybe more or less like who did you keep near you for support? Like what? What were the key things in your life that helped you um, support you besides your own? How your your own brilliance. Your well,
3: own well i'm a big i mean I've been very you know certainly friends are incredibly important on many levels uh, but there's different kinds of friends there's 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 lifelong personal friends but there's also a concept of kind of a business a professional friendship where you know there's a there's a reciprocity and uh you know uh I'm very uh, you, you know so developing relationships there's got to be some authentic connection, you know, uh, although there are people that are very good at faking it. You know, the so-called Hollywood stereotype is faking friendship. But um, you definitely, uh, you know, in my in my line of work, certainly, and I think most things, developing some kind of a relationship with p- other people really, really works. You know, I re- remember when I was a publicist, somebody told me when I would have lunch. The big thing when I started as a publicist was taking music writers out to lunch because I could pay for lunch and they weren't making a lot of money. So taking them to lunch and, and somebody told me, I don't remember who told me this, but it was the best advice was like, you know, get them to talk about themselves. You know what they want to talk about because then, then they'll listen to what you want to talk about. So I, you know, I, I certainly, it, it, my business is completely collaborative, totally dependent on other people. There are artists who are so interdirected that they can do things themselves. I'm not one of those people. My whole path has been about uh, trying to connect with other people, be of enough value to other people that, you know, when I need a favor, maybe I
2: can get one. Mm. Thank you. Mahasan, anybody?
6: Yes. Uh, can you speak of Carol? Hi, Danny.
2: Hi. How
6: are you?
3: (laughs) I'm actually meeting you. This is so cool. I know. (laughs)
6: Um, I have a question, and it's kind of a weird question, but it says, um, who was the most unusual that you've managed and why? And while I was writing that, I started thinking of Ian Anderson and... But I was curious. I, I don't know. There's certain people they just don't seem to be from Earth, and I was wondering what who you thought was the most t- maybe that was their talent was so dynamic or unusual.
3: Who would? Well, would, I, I'm not sure. You know, it's it's sort of like uh, you know choosing among your children. You know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, there each one of each artist is unique and special, and you know uh, I honor each of them. Um, I've said, though, in the past, publicly, certainly the most, the person who had the most talent was Kurt, you know, that I was lucky enough to work with, that That he's on a peak all of his own in terms of the cut, so many things he was so brilliant at. Um, but every artist is unusual. You can't be usual and be an artist. It's coming from an, you have to combine a very personal inner voice with an ability to connect with other people. And they're like snowflakes. I mean, no two of them are the same.
6: Then personalities differ. I mean, the there's really not a com. It's, I guess I'm wondering there's not that many commonalities. Are they just that unique, that different? Different types of personalities, outgoing. I don't know. I just no. I see so many different. Don't, I know.
3: Don't, don't you live with an artist? I mean, like I can't believe you're asking me this question. Um, <laughs>
6: personalities that's why i want to know if that's like that for everybody else
3: (laughs) you know i think that 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 artists are are somehow different from the rest of us because i think they spend a disproportionate amount of their time listening to their inner voice and and then have to spend a lot of their time with the craftsmanship of manifesting it but the ones that are successful also find something in themselves that then connects with other people. So that's the amazing thing about, say, a song. Someone might write a song about a breakup or something, but then it speaks to millions of other people. Uh, that's sort of the alchemy of, of art, is that it takes something that's totally personal and makes it universal in some way. I, I don't know how to say it better than that, but I do think that people who do that for their whole lives have a different kind of a personality. I happen to like that personality type and have tried to stay as close to artists as I can. I know people in the business that hate to deal with the artists because they don't consider them as methodical or rational or linear. (laughs) And, (laughs) uh, And, and they may play a different kind of a role, but my thing has always been to romanticize artists and their personality and to, uh, try to soak up some of that uh, weird energy that they give off
6: yeah (laughs) cool thank you (laughs)
2: um maybe we could try just one more question danny and then i want to take us on a little bit of a zig or a zag depending on which way you're going
4: so there's a question from alex hey guys can you hear me
2: we can alex Hi.
4: um hi it's really nice to meet you i've been learning a lot it's been really fun I was wondering, I mean, obviously we're in a moment of revolution right now. And, you know, I see a lot of my friends who are artists right now putting projects on hold after having to, you know, put projects on hold for a number of reasons because of the coronavirus and everything. It's really, you know, just a a really trying time to be an artist right now. And I was wondering, I mean, it, it feels very clearly on social media and in the media that we're all giving space for Black artists right now, rightfully so, to, to comment in their way on what's going on. And I was wondering, you know, if you have artists who, obviously, they're, they're, we're very grateful to have the Steve Earls of the world and the artists who are going to come forward and immediately try to, you know, comment and make a statement and, and put out work that's commenting on what's going on in the world. But I'm wondering what your approach is for artists that you're working with who have great work on the shelf that isn't necessarily about what's going on in the world right now. How do you read the room? How do you know when it's time to put that out? Who's going to be the one with the guts to be the first one to, you know, market and put out an album that is not commentating on what's going on. Um, just how do you, how do you read the room? What's your plan and what's your advice for other artists?
3: Well, forgive me if I, repeat this thing, but it always frames how I look at certain subjects, which is that no two artists are the same. So each, each has a different appropriate path to take. Um, you know, most artists, the idea of commenting or doing so-called political songs or message songs. And I'm, again, I'm a political activist by nature, and I've worked with a number of artists who have, uh, you know, uh, political ideas, but, um, art has its own value to humanity and not everybody's uh, path is to, uh, comment on current affairs. Uh, and, uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, if it is your path, you should do it. I mean, uh, Steve happened to have written that song some time ago. Uh, Betty LeVette, uh, has been singing, um, Strange Fruit for many years in her concerts and finally recorded it. And it just happens that this is tragically a particularly good time to have a new interpretation of it out there. But those are exceptions. And uh, at any given moment, there's only a few songs that are really so-called topical songs that are really relevant. And I think it's a big mistake to try to force yourself into that. I think if it's organic to your art, fine. And if not, you know, people want to listen to music. They want to listen to melody. They want to dance. They want to think about romance. They want to think about the cosmos. There's a lot of other things. And, and there are other ways of being a good citizen and bearing witness to strife besides what the lyrics are of a song. You could, you could uh, donate money. You could show up for a benefit, uh, you know, um, and, um, some people are public, some people are private about it. I just think it's a mistake to try to copy what you think somebody else is doing or what you should do and to really make sure to listen closely to what your inner voice is telling you you, you should do.
4: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I wasn't quite so much thinking about, you know, trying to make an effort to write political music right now, but more, um, Like, do you feel like there's a responsibility to leave some space for the people that do want to to put that material out now um, before we kind of come back with? Well, I mean, you know,
3: I think the idea of having a day of silence uh, was 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 a good statement for the music business writ large to make, especially it's a music business that was built so much on black music, Uh, pop, rock and roll, all these things. So. But that's a day. I, I don't think that um, it, it would interfere with the natural flow of a career. I mean, there's bigger, there's other issues for artists today, obviously, because of the pandemic and uh, live music, which has been such a dominant connector between audiences and uh, and musicians. And also the primary source of income for the vast majority of of musicians and performers is uh you know, is is we probably, uh, you know, I was talking to a head of the music department of one of the big agencies earlier today. I mean, probably a year away from something resembling normalcy in terms of that, and it's an incredibly challenging uh, time. Uh, and and you know, the example of selling insurance, or I always love that <laughs> William Carlos Williams, the great poet, who was Allen Ginsberg's idol, was a physician in New Jersey, never made his living from poetry, as far as I know. And, and, uh, Larry, uh, um, Rivers was a cab driver. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, I don't know what to say about how to pay the bills. Everyone has to be practical and figure out how to do that. And that's where the expression day job came from. <laughs> <laughs> but I think over time, I think the live music business will return and, People love that experience, and they'll pay for it. In the meantime, people are experimenting with new ways of monetizing uh, these digital experiences, and some of them work for some artists better than others. You know, but it's a moving target. Uh, I don't have any easy answer to it. I think one thing is to not beat yourself up because this is tough. This is this is an unusually challenging set of circumstances, and you've got to give yourself some slack, and you've got to stay true to yourself as an artist without judging yourself based on a temporary, you know, commercial situation.
2: I think that might be our second quote to pull. That's where the expression day job came from. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, Alex, you can resonate, right?
4: Absolutely. I spent most of my day still trying to figure out what remote teaching elementary music is. And it's June. We still haven't figured it out, but we're doing our best.
2: Wow. It's all you can do. Yeah. You know, all you can do so thank you all for um great questions and um juicy um q a uh i wanted to just because of what our premise for gathering is it's so uh, multi-purposed in a way um and and you know i know a couple of different aspects of danny's existence and it's interesting we knew each other from the from the music business but we had a second a point of interconnection, and and kind of more recent one, which was that um, most most well, you probably mostly know that I my my day job is playing guitar and producing records for Krishna Das. <laughs> I don't know if you call this my night job or which is my day job and which is my night job. It's hard to hard to tell these. Dude, you, you that's called beating the system. Yeah, I guess if I'm zigging, while it zags, and then and then the other way. So, um, but I've also you know found that I've been able to con convene after many years of bringing those elements together in really interesting ways. So obviously playing with KD, is a, it's a music job and it's a kind of spiritual community. And uh, that's where I bumped into Danny again more recently was at the Maui retreat, the Ramdas Dass retreat uh, that we were going to twice a year. It's extremely interesting to me that Ramdas passed away and then the shit just hit the fan totally. <laughs> I'm mean, We would go to these retreats, uh, um, you know, um, Open Your Heart in Paradise was the name of the retreat. You'd get to Maui. There was no like problem renting a car or getting to where you were going. And we were all sitting out on the beach and then doing yoga and meditating and um, kirtan at night. Uh, and it seems like, you know, that's, that's um, a kind of light went out for the moment. That, that was a very luminous experience and something I think we all really enjoyed. And so I, I um, bumped into Danny there again, maybe Two or three years ago, I think something like that, and we started talking. And I've been on his podcast, and of course, we we share those two worlds in common, which is what makes people like him so um, special to me. Is because I can I can talk both sides of the of the equation, you know. So I wanted to ask you, Danny, is like you know you have that relationship with Ram Dass, and you had your teacher. And just as a spiritual practitioner, which is what everybody here, there's a diverse, uh, you know, we're all studying Buddhism right now and mindfulness meditation, but people have a lot of different places they're coming from. So, like, if I asked you, what what do you even think of when I say um, spiritual life or spiritual dimension for life? What does well, that make you think of? Um,
3: you know, I um, I'm a product of the 1960s. Uh, in the sense that I graduated from high school in 1967 and uh, you're the summer of love, as they say, and uh, was certainly into psychedelics as a teenager and, um, and the, uh, you know, uh, stopped doing it because my life wasn't quite working the right way by the time I was in my early twenties, but, but I never forgot those experiences. And so when I read Be Here Now, Ram Dass's book about his relationship with his guru and his, his sort of evolution from being the acid guy to the uh, devotee of Nim Krolli Baba, you know, it really uh, spoke deeply to me. And, you know, but even before that, um, George Harrison, as a member of the Beatles, um, recording the Hare Krishna chant and 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 hanging out with Ravi Shankar made me just think that was kind of cool because the Beatles were cool. So I, I, I always, to me... Rock and roll, spirituality, activism were always part of the same notion of, of, of a light that I was chasing. Uh, now, in terms of what it means in the context of who I am now, I think it, it goes back to that question that the, that the Hindu saint, Ramana Maharshi, told his students to ask, who am I? Who am I? Because that gets you, whether you're Christian, Buddhist, bhakti devotee, Muslim, uh, cosmic intellectual—you know—that's uh, that's a good question to ask, and it's 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 to me part of the value of meditation, whatever form of meditation you do, is that it 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 reduces identifying just whatever is in my mind at the moment, or whether I need to scratch my cheek, or whether I want to have ice cream later, to well, who am I before that, and who am I when I'm asleep and dreaming and I can't even remember my name and who am I? What part of me is the same as when I was, uh, you know, five years old as, as now. And, um, that question, uh, to me is the key question, uh, that, 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 that transcends any particular spiritual path and is common to all of them. Yeah. So who are you? Well, um, I know I'm, uh, you you know, one of the old school things is like what I'm not. So, you know, I'm not this body because the body keeps changing. I'm not this mind because the mind keeps changing. I'm not these emotions. So starting with that really makes the question a different thing. Well, you know. And I don't know that there's words for it. You know, I, I think that, uh, who was it? Uh, one of the James, as William James said, the, the true spiritual experience, the nature of it is the impossibility of describing it. Uh. Um, you know, uh, I, I think it's connected to the word love. Mm. I think it's connected to the word soul. I think these are words that humans have devised that give a hint of who we are. I think it's connected to all other souls in some way that I completely don't understand. It seems to be connected to all these trees and bugs and other creatures in a way that I don't understand. But, but I think I think that it's um, it's not what ninety five percent of my day thinks I am. But all that stuff is also part of who I am. So it's not really accurate to say. I'm not the body, it's more accurate to say I'm not only the body. The body is part of who I am. This kind of, so that's that's kind of look, there's a lot smarter people than me that you've studied with and who've written books that can articulate this better, but it's this is the ballpark.
2: That was pretty good. That was pretty clear. And personal. Yeah. So bringing that uber sense down to earth, is, is spirituality something you find you need to allocate time and resources to on its own right to spend time practicing, chanting, retreating, being with people in a particular way? Is, or is it just completely immersed in, in the everyday I, I've flow? gone
3: through sort of, sort of a couple of different phases. Um, the last five or six years, I've been uh, meditating every morning and uh, it's been um, uh, incredibly important to my equilibrium and sense of well-being. I, I I almost feel like terrified at the thought of getting through a day now without doing that. Um, I have to say though, there was a long time—I mean, decades of my life—where I convinced myself that I quote unquote couldn't meditate. That that this mind of mine. You know, others could tame their minds, but they never had to deal with a mind like, you know, know? and uh, so, um, so one of the things that, that I learned from my teacher was, and that I told people for decades, and I still tell people, can't meditate, try praying. So what is praying? Does that mean I have to join a religion? Well, I've never been a joiner of anything. Uh, you know, I always just had a real uh, resistance to, 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 uh, to that. Um, but, but, but you know, Hilda used to say, you could even say a prayer like, God, I don't know if you exist, but some smart people say you do, and if you do, help. <laughs> that general approach, even though I'm sort of dumbing it down or or being arch about it got me through many decades yeah and that i over time came to believe more and more that the prayers meant something i can't explain exactly it's not like everything i ever asked for i got but then i would say well god knows better than me what i'm supposed to have you know um and the word god is freighted for a lot of people i was not brought up religious so it doesn't have any baggage with me Uh, I like that word, but I honor people that don't like that word. But the idea of that, that there's something bigger than me, I do believe in. And even if, so for the non-meditation part, praying has been a huge, so sort of from my early twenties until sometime in my sixties, praying was the main thing. And then the last, five, six, seven years, I didn't make a note of when it was, I finally was allowed, you know, something in me found meditation, which, oh God, it's, thank God. I mean, I'm so grateful for it. It really, it really, uh, it really allows me to uh, not identify with every bad mood.
2: So you do have a regular daily practice.
3: I now uh, do. I now,
2: yeah. Yeah. And it's integrated, but it's, distinct at the same time it's a it's something
3: yeah it's hard it's hard habit to get into but once you get into the habit then it's a habit and so yeah. if i don't do it i said oh shit i haven't meditated today i better you know find some time to do it sometimes i do it you know uh I, my normal time is a half hour but if i'm a, if it's one of those mornings i can compress it down to 15 or 20 minutes and not hate myself
2: yeah you know just in context the the folks that are taking this course, which is over four months, one of the assignments is to sit 20 minutes a day, minimum, minimum 20 minutes a day, minimum five days a week for the whole time, so that it, as people are contemplating becoming a teacher, that they at least have some ground of their own practice. Um, and then it's also, as teachers, we're, we're sort of, and we're going to, we're actually starting the teaching training part of it tomorrow. Um, we had a general sort of survey course the first weekend, a couple of weeks ago as teachers, they're not salesmen, but they have to be able to communicate to somebody why they might want to meditate and, and what the benefit might be and how to do it. Yeah. And that's, so I'm saying it's not rocket science. Mindfulness is way not rocket science. Um, but there is some clarity about, you know, yeah, this is somehow, however it frames out for me, this is helpful. It's supportive. So I don't want to, I don't want I, I felt I left out something Okay,
3: is that over the course of time, the other thing is, is, uh, is, is the group experience, uh, you, you know, uh, satsa, what okay. they call it, like those retreats you were talking about or going okay. to Girtan, Uh That's a way, if you're not in a frame of mind to meditate, that you can, through a group experience, put your mind onto something bigger that has been extremely meaningful to me over the years, you know. Wonderful. I don't do it on a regular basis. I'm not like a go to every conference right. kind of a dude, but I love Kirtan. I love Krishna Das. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll, anytime I'm in a place that I can be there where he's doing that, I, I'm uh, deeply uh, grateful for that, you know. And I will say, you know, he's been doing these things Thursday nights on YouTube. Right. That I strongly recommend it. Have you really, been going? Yeah, most most Thursdays it's online, you know, I come and go, but I, I'd say i I, I'd say more often than not, and it's a it's a good vibe,
2: and it's it's free. He's doing a, that's a free offering, isn't it? It's free. It, yeah, he's
3: allowed to make a donation. It's in such small type. Yeah, I didn't even know it had a donation thing. Yeah. Yeah. I I just discovered this recently. He's he, he's. Um, but it is it, it is free. He does things. He does uh, workshops and other things that, of course, he charges for it. Everybody has to pay. Sure.
2: for Yeah.
3: Well, eat and, I, and make a living, right livelihood they call it. I think in some of the traditions. But yeah. but this is free. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So in in this same course is going on through an LA uh, portal, uh, Samarasa's studio. So two Friday nights ago, he was our guest there. Some of these folks came. It's a funny world now because you can drop in. You know, it, nice. you can, you, you know, some, when I'm teaching in Japan in, in two weekends and sometimes people from LA go to Japan, you know, in, in like that, you know, and then, and they're part of that situation. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we have this incredible opportunity actually to, to, um, drop in and, and take advantage. And most of the people I know who are offering have brought it onto line. So, yeah. Um, so that's, it's wonderful, Danny. It's very moving to hear you talk about a, a spiritual practice. And, and, um, uh, from my point of view, it's just the way you're talking about it is, is so in, in concert with what we're, how we're presenting it here, which is that there's something organic. It's natural. It's not this kind of intellectual thing it's 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 relating to your life in a in a, in
3: a I, I also like there are life. books that have affected me uh you know autobiography of the yogi gospel according to sri ramakrishna i'm rereading there's a three-part uh, book about dr king um yeah. called uh, by a writer named taylor branch and the first one parting the waters to me he's he's a Real life American saint of our lifetime, you know, and, and reading about his life to me is like reading about the life of any other
2: saint. Bodhisattva,
3: yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, that's another practice that doesn't take quite as much, um, you know, oomph as meditation that is really a good one for me, you know, and, uh, but, uh, you know, the meditation thing has become like a life after the last few years. I'm really grateful I, I, I was able to finally flow into that because for decades I. I but, but I'll tell you, prayer got me through many, many a year of my life. I, yeah, I, it, it's you. You don't have to tell anyone you're praying because it sounds like kind of or you're some kind of corny old school person. But just privately, it, it's 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 not a bad uh, way to go.
2: Yeah. Well, why don't we have about 10 minutes left? Why don't we throw it open again and just see if there's a couple of questions from the folks uh, before we wrap it up. Um, so if any, you know, and it could be on anything that we've talked about, everybody, just feel free to jump in. Uh,
4: so, uh, there
5: is
2: a, a question from
6: Teresa. Hi. Hi. Hi, how are you?
5: Um, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, I just, I think I started thinking about, did you ever have any difficulties or challenges um, managing certain artists? Yes. <laughs> and I,
3: yeah, yeah.
5: And I just, I, I mean, just to throw that in the mix, I wanted to maybe hear about something interesting about it.
3: You know, um, I don't really like to talk about problems that I might have had because I think it's sort of... Um, it's a little, um, uncool. You know, these are personal relationships. Even people I don't work with anymore. I feel there's a certain level of kind of privacy they're entitled to, but you know, um, uh, there are all sorts of problems. There are problems that are external, like tours being canceled or, uh, uh you know, somebody getting sick on the road or a record company, not caring about a record, or something like that. And then there are personal problems people have. That's the essence of of representing people is to try to solve problems. When things are going great, nobody needs a manager. They need a manager to try to help avoid or solve uh, uh, problems. But I, I'm sorry, but I just don't feel comfortable giving examples of problems I had because that's kind of not what I was paid to do was talk about the problems. I would <laughs> solve them or try to.
5: Okay, fair enough. I just brought that up because as far as, like, spirituality goes, like, uh, running into certain uh, people, I guess that was part of my question, like, um, someone who's very adversive to the things that you're trying to guide them to. Because, like, as a teacher, you're always trying to guide people a certain way and bring them into something that you believe in. Yeah. And there's always that, like, adversity that they have and that kind of challenge. Well,
3: you know, I think part of it is – the terminology of the music business and that word manager, it sounds like we're in charge of something and we're not. Valet would maybe be a better word sometimes. You know, it's about, trying to we we work for the artist we don't boss them around i'm not my job is not to guide them it's that it's to help them accomplish what they already want to do now if you see someone walking into traffic and they're going to get hit by a car you've got to try to grab them out of the way or beg them To get out of the way. So every once in a while, there's a situation like that, whether it's professional or personal, but by and large, my particular role is very different. I wouldn't use the word guide. I I wouldn't say that I guide people. I I try to help them. Uh, And I'm not just trying to be picky about words. It's a different role, you know, so that's why I'm hesitating. Okay.
5: I think that's great. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Maho, any, any uh, furthers on the chat?
4: Yes, uh, from Marjorie, uh, what kind of meditation uh, are you doing and uh, what? how does it help?
3: Um, I kind of made up my own kind of meditation based on different things that I read and based on what my teacher told me. But essentially I use a mantra. There are any. There are many, many good mantras. I don't feel if there's any one particular right one, uh, but I find the repetition of words, especially uh, holy names, um, gets me. Uh, t- is a good uh, way of t- tuning tuning in. Uh, I I I. So it's it's a. That's how I. That's how I do it. Um, is is. Um, I guess it's some version of bhakti. Uh, that, that I just kind of cobbled together from different readings. But I, 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 I and sometimes, often over the course of switch mantras, depending on, you know, in different, you know, sometimes I'll break it into three over the course of a half hour. And then uh, that's my particular a- a- approach, uh, is more the devotional uh, bhakti type uh, uh, and using uh, frequently um, uh, holy names. Not only Hindu names. Uh, Jesus is a holy name. Moses is a holy name. Allah is a holy name, but but I do like those Indian names. I, I have to admit, I go back to, to to names of the Divine Mother, Kali, Durga, Ganesha. We just was looking at somebody's beautiful Ganesha on their wall, the last questioner and
4: so forth.
2: Yeah. Uh, Danny, speaking of on your wall, there's a picture, it might be a book, uh, but there's a picture of a woman's face there.
3: That's Hilda. Yeah, I thought I when I watch KD, he has all his pictures of his guru behind him. So I thought for this, it's a spiritual thing. I, 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 I. There are a few books uh, privately that were published by a tiny little publisher of some of her teachings, mostly recordings of her lectures. And so I thought I would have it there, so she could keep an eye on me while I'm in this uh, arena. Um, that, so that's uh, that's Hilda. And then right next to it is my wife's book, Rogue Justice. So combining heaven and earth right there.
2: <laughs>
3: her, uh, her, uh, you know, uh, commentary on the deterioration of the Justice Department since now.
2: God, Karen must be right in the hot seat right now.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, before we go, I just would hope everybody would just say a prayer for our country and our world. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know how to fix things. I have my own opinions. Everybody's entitled to theirs. This isn't a political conversation, but I just really, I pray that racism ends in our lifetime. And I pray that uh, people find out how to be physically safe from this pandemic. And I, I pray that we learn how to live together better than we've been doing. You know, I just don't feel right about not referring to the suffering that's going on, uh, nor can we be, a prisoner of it, but nor can we, you know, ignore it. And each of us has our own little thing we can do. We can't fix it. But I do think we should each do whatever we can do.
2: Well, that's great, Danny. Why don't we take a couple of minutes and just silently contemplate what you just said as a way of closing together, you know, with kind of presence, but also just, um, you, 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 you know, I think you're, you're the prayer that you're making there is something we're all really sharing and and maybe just we could have a a few quiet moments together to, to tune into that. Okay. So I'll just, I'll bring the bell and we can just, you can, if you don't want to contemplate, you can just do your meditation practice uh, just for three or four minutes. Okay. <clears throat> so on behalf of all of us, Danny, I want to thank you so much for coming and spending this time together. And uh, I think it was very illuminating. Really great to hear the range of what you're, um, how you think about things. It was, I really, really deeply enjoyed it. It was, it uh... Great, uh, honor and pleasure for me to
3: share this with all of you and uh, God bless if I could use the old school language. God bless.
2: Okay.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest? Are you holding on to secrets, fears, or frustrations? We all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Don't keep it all bottled up inside. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's also a great way to learn to resolve conflict, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot com slash be here now.